0: Uses that word ecclesia only once, but it's an important place that he uses it. Uh, Jesus uses this in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is one of the first-hand eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life. And as you walk through the lens in the book of Matthew, in Matthew 16, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, some of his closest followers. And in the process of hanging out with him, he says, Look, guys, we're getting some traction here. People are starting to talk about me. What do people say about me? Uh, Who do people say that I am? When you're out there getting your cafe, mochas, and you're, you're hanging out at Dick's Sporting Goods, and you're out in the community, in the workplace, what do people say about me? This is the question he puts to his disciples. The disciples give him a whole laundry list of answers. People say you're like this. People say you're like that. You're a great teacher. You're a great man of God. You're a prophet. And then all of a sudden, one of his disciples named Simon Peter steps forward and says this. Simon Peter answered the question, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. When Simon Peter uses this word Messiah, that is a loaded, significant, powerful, and important term for him to be using. Simon Peter is a Jew. He has a Jewish faith and a Jewish background. In fact, all of those who were immediate followers of Jesus were Jewish too. And so when he said, you are the Messiah, he's picking up on a Jewish term, a Jewish title, and a really strong Jewish belief that someday a Messiah, a messianic figure, a deliverer, a redeemer, Uh, Someone who was chosen and special to God would come to the Jewish people and restore the good fortune of the Jewish people. He would establish the kingdom of God, like an actual physical kingdom of God with a government. And he would be the king, and he would rule, and and he would make sure that God's people are taken care of. And so this Messiah in the Jewish tradition and in the Jewish uh, history was really a loaded term because it meant the chosen one of God who's going to make God's kingdom become real. And Simon Peter steps forward and says, Jesus, you, Jesus, you are that chosen Messiah, the Redeemer, the Rescuer, the Savior, the the one who is going to establish God's kingdom the Messiah. Jesus responds to this by saying, you are blessed. You're right. You nailed it, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You got a glimpse behind the scenes of what God has been up to, Simon. You you did not learn this from anyone. Now I know and now I say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my ecclesia, my church. Peter, on the confession and the understanding and the belief that I am the Messiah, the King of kings, the rescuer, the chosen one of God himself, on this and the faith that you have, believing that I am that Messiah, on that I will build my church. People will gather around this belief and this faith. People will assemble together around the understanding that Jesus is the Messiah. Peter, uh, people will gather around you and around these other disciples as you proclaim and you understand and as you live into the truth of what you just said of, of identifying me as the Messiah. And on that, I will build my church. This is absolutely, utterly critical. Critical. For us as the church of today to understand, the church is comprised and happens when people gather together around the belief and the conviction that Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one of God, establishing God's kingdom. That's church, according to Jesus himself. Now, in all transparency, Simon Peter probably didn't get the significance of what Jesus was saying right here at this time. I mean, the size and the scope of what, what Simon Peter is thinking by saying, yeah, you're the Messiah, you're going you're to set up a government and, and we're going to have Israel back and it's going to be a Zionist movement and, and, and it's going to be our place and our location and God's people and all this. You're going to be the Messiah. The size and the scope and the significance of people gathering together around the Messiah was much smaller in Peter's imagination than in Jesus' own. You see, Jesus knew and understand that behind the church is a big God. And that big God who is working to heal and redeem and rescue not only Israel, but has bigger plans. He has plans for the entirety of this world. This big God is going to move in big ways through his church. That the Messiah is not only for the Jewish people, but for all people. And so the size and the scope of what it means to be church is also much, much bigger in Jesus' understanding. He begins to tease this out and point this out to his disciples, to Simon Peter and others, in another book called Acts. Acts is a recording of Jesus after he has gone through his life, his death on the cross, and then his resurrection. After he's been resurrected, the, the disciples come to him and say, like, is it time? Is the whole Messiah thing? Like, it's now's the moment, right, Jesus? Jesus, you we we said you're the Messiah, now is the moment, right? Has now, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel? Free it from the, the, the Roman rule and the other powers and all the other. Is it time to establish and, est- and restore our kingdom? Our place. As Israel in this world. Jesus replies this. He says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. Don't worry about it, guys. That's, that's not for something you'd be concerned with. They're not for you to know. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I'm going to be doing something else. You don't need to be worried about the finer details, guys. I want you to be focused on this. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. And then you will be, and the word is witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. How big are God's plans? How big is the church supposed to be? How big of a calling and a task that we have inherited from Simon Peter and those gone before? You see, for us to be the church is to gather around the confession and belief That Jesus is Messiah, chosen one, anointed. Another way of translating that in Greek is Christos, Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. And that we now bear witness. We now carry forward that belief, that faith we now bring forward all the way to the ends of the world the story of Jesus, the Christ, our Messiah. The church, you and I, we are tasked with being witnesses of Jesus throughout all time, and throughout all the earth. This gets lived out shortly after Jesus says this. Simon Peter and the others, their eyes have to be bulging in their heads, trying to figure out, Jesus, what are you talking about, man? What is this whole thing? What's actually happening? They're sitting there gathered together and Jesus actually by this point in time later on he he rises and ascends to heaven. And the disciples are left wondering and trying to figure out how is this going to happen and what was Jesus talking about? This is what it means to be church, to to gather around the the belief that Jesus is, is Messiah. And now we have to carry to the world what is he talking about? And as they're sitting together something mysterious, wondrous, and supernatural begins to happen. Uh, a wind rushes through where they're sitting, and all of a sudden, little tongues of fire seem to rest on them. Uh, something supernatural happens, and we have a reference to it today, the church. We refer to this as Pentecost. Have you guys ever heard of that term before, Pentecost? Pentecost is this moment in time where it is opening day for the church original, for those first disciples to begin to live and be the church and explore the bigness of what God was up to in and through his church. Opening day happened when all these disciples are huddled together and a supernatural event happens where through this wind and with this fire and all these things happening, they start speaking in different languages. Uh, languages that they don't or shouldn't know. In fact, the Bible records that there's all these different people in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, since this very day, is very culturally, uh, ethnically diverse. There's lots of different languages spoken in Jerusalem. The same is true in ancient Israel. And, And the disciples walk out the front door, and they start speaking in these languages. And people from all over the ends of the earth begin to hear the witness... Of these disciples. As they're talking now in languages that other people understand. And through the power and the miracle and the work of the Holy Spirit. These disciples. Who know and believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Start bearing witness. In a way that will reach literally the ends of the earth. The same guy who we started with, Simon Peter, sees this as an opportunity. And so he steps forward. And he starts shouting to the crowds. And he gives a really great sermon. He starts preaching at them. Bearing witness and pointing people to Jesus As the Messiah. He says, people of Israel, listen. Listen up, y'all. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, signs through him, as you well already know. But God knew that would happen. And he pre-arranged this plan. This is all part of what God's activity has been from the beginning. It was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. And with the help of lawless Gentiles, non-Jews, the Roman government, uh, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. I mean, Peter's going right at it. He just lays it out. Y'all killed him like a couple weeks ago, is what Peter is saying. And yet God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him. God raised Jesus from the dead. And we are all, what's the word? Witnesses of this. This is the moment the church starts being the church. When Simon Peter, when the disciples those who spend time with Jesus, those who loved Jesus and were loved by Jesus, bear forth a witness saying that God has been up to something. And not simply for the Jewish people, but for all people, throughout all time, for you and for me. That what God did in raising Jesus from the dead, he did for us as well. Now, Jesus is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, just as he promised, he gave him the Holy Spirit. He poured that Spirit out upon us. That's why we can be heard and understood stood in these other languages. Just as you hear today. This is why this is happening. It's happening so that we can let everyone in Israel know for certain, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. Peter, the rock, the one to first say, yes, Jesus, you are the Messiah, now steps into what it means to be church by gathering others into the faith. Bearing witness to Jesus Christ as the chosen, resurrected, saving Messiah. Oh, that's good stuff. What happens next? Well, he was such a good preacher. I know this is what you guys all say when I'm done. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Right now that we've heard this, now that we've seen this, now that we begin to understand Jesus' activity, his life, his death, his resurrection, and what he accomplished on the cross was so much bigger. Oh my goodness, what should we do? Peter replies, form a church committee. (laughs) No, that's not right, okay? I totally made that up. Read your Bibles. That's not what it says. What it says is this. Each of you must repent of your sin, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the Holy Spirit as well. His promises to you, to your children, those far away, to us. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Peter says, Believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And live accordingly. Gather throughout the ages and throughout the ends of the earth together. Around the common confession of Jesus. As the Savior, not of just the Jewish people, but of the entire world of you and me. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized. And they were added to the church that day. Church kicked off about 3,000 people in all. 3,000 people. It's incredible. It's big. It's very big. It's a big church. It's a big God moving in big ways through his people. To bring more human hearts to an understanding of Jesus as Messiah. Amen. Good. Now for those of you who are uncomfortable with the question of how big will Christ's church get? Three thousand is where God started. I'm just saying. If you're nervous or uncomfortable about the bigness of what God is doing. Even in and through us to this very day. How big will Christ's church get? It'll get bigger. It will always get bigger. The answer has always been and will always be bigger because it will always be one more person to come to a knowledge and understanding of Jesus Christ as Messiah. If that makes you uncomfortable, I don't know what you're going to do when you get to heaven. It's going to be really big up there. You can go hide in a corner or something and try to ignore all the other people, but I'm going to be having a party, y'all. God's plan, God's intent, God's heart for the church has always been big. As more and more people, as more and more people come to know and believe and experience the grace, the forgiveness, the restoration, the healing, the hope that comes with knowing Jesus as Messiah. The church is not at its core an institution. An organization, yes, we do need structure, yes, we need those things, yes, it is helpful, but that's not its essence. It's not a bunch of committees, it's not a bunch of teams, though those are helpful and those are important and those are necessary. And it's not based on your music style, whether you like hymns or whether you like the stuff you hear on the radio, whether you like organs or whether you like guitars, that's not what makes the church And it's even not this building as incredible and as wonderful and as much as we have sacrificed to make this building a reality. All of these things serve a greater vision, a more powerful understanding of what the church truly is. The church is a movement. The church is a movement of people. It is the faithful followers. It is those original disciples and then every disciple and human heart that has believed in Jesus Christ as the Messiah to this very day, including you and me. The church is not comprised of brick and mortar, The church is not comprised of physical things like that. You all getting nervous now? We put in all this light system. Pastor Bob was saying, we should have lights going when you do that. No. I'm the church. Because I believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. I'm the church because I believe he forgives me. I'm the church and I bear witness to what he's done in my life. And I strive to share it with others, to share it with you. You're the church. Because God loved you, loves you forgives you, calls you, claims you. He is Messiah, the Redeemer for you. And he has asked you and invited you to be a part of his church. So, we are not only Christ's church, we are Christ's church. You are Christ's church. Amen. Good? Please pray with me. Gracious God, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, we give thanks. For his life, his death, his resurrection, we give thanks for the way in which he is our Messiah, our Lord, our Savior, the one who has called us and claimed us, the one who has gathered us into his family, the way in which he has forgiven us and makes us his own, we give thanks this morning. Lord, we believe and bear witness to the big plans, the big activity, the big confession of Jesus as Messiah for the ends of the earth throughout all of time. We bear witness in this time and join our voice with Simon Peters saying, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Through this confession, Lord, you make us your church. Grant that we would continue to gather and bear that witness from now until eternity secure with you. We pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen.